Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. I'm having to stand on my tiptoes a little bit up here this morning. There's probably a stool somewhere I could use. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist. We are, are glad that you are here with us today. Thank you. Yep. That's better. That's better. Looking good. <laughs> we are glad that you are here with us today. We are glad that you have chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. It feels good to have a new perspective that Keith may typically have on a Sunday morning to be up this high. Um, but we are so glad that you are here, and I pray that we would prepare our hearts as we begin our worship this morning. Good morning. Join me as I read Psalm 136, verses 1 through 9, 23 through 26. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. His faithful love continues forever. Give thanks to the greatest God of all. His faithful love continues forever. Give thanks to the most powerful Lord of all. His faithful love continues forever. Give thanks to the only one who can do great miracles. His faithful love continues forever. By his understanding he made the heavens. His faithful love continues forever. He spread out on the earth all the waters. His faithful love continues forever. He made the great lights in the sky. His faithful love continues forever. He made the sun to rule over the day. He made the moon and the stars to rule over the night. His faithful love continues forever. Give thanks to the God who remembers us when things are bad. His faithful love continues forever. He sets us free from our enemies his faithful love continues forever. He gives, every, he gives food to every creature. His faithful love continues forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love continues with us forever. Speaking of God's love enduring forever, that's what our first hymn is about. And I would invite you to turn to hymn number 53. Um, I'm sure several of you know this song, but for those of you who don't, the way it's written is a little tricky, so I'm just going to give you a couple of tips. You sing the first stanza on the first page, and then you immediately go back and sing the second stanza on the first page, and then you sing the second page, and then you go back and sing the third stanza, and you sing the second page. And we're gonna go back, we're adding this on our own. We're gonna go back and sing the chorus one more time at the end. So if you would please stand and join in singing number 53 forever. Oh, 
Thank you. You may be seated. I'm going to give you a flower. How many of you know what this flower is? It's a daisy. It is a daisy. Luke, I'm going to give you a yellow one since you're the special boy today. You come get it. You want me to throw it? Okay. All right. Now, probably you're still a little young, but your mom or your dad, especially your mom, might have done this long time ago. It's no, it doesn't smell real good, right? But it's all right. He loves me. He loves me not. This is when she had a boyfriend. He loves me. He loves me not. And we go all the way around the daisy, and then we'd cheat when we got to the end of it. Because if it didn't end up right on he loves me, we wouldn't pull it out. We'd just leave it alone. And that way, they sort of knew what their boyfriend might like or not like. But in 1 John 4, verse 16, it says, God is love. The better we get to know God, the better we understand what true love is all about. Love is Jesus dying for us. And because God loves us, we should love others too. Real love is helping others when they need it. Well, see, I have another daisy over here. It doesn't smell. No, you can't, not yet. It doesn't smell, nor does it come real easy when you pull the leaves out. This is God's love. You never have to pull a leaf out and ask, does God love me or does he not love me? Because God's love for you, and Luke, and all the children and all the families, it never, ever goes away. So you can take your daisy and you can think about it if you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or just give it to mom as a special gift. But remember, God's love is never going to go away. Even if you pull that leaf out and you've done something that wasn't quite right, God still loves you. He always will. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these children, for the love for you that is endless in their heart. We thank you for the love that fills this church. We know, Lord, that we don't have to do, he loves me, he loves me not. Because, Lord, you gave us your son. And it's through him we know your love is endless. Take care of us, Lord, as we walk this week. Protect my children. Keep them safe. And it's through your son that we say amen. Good morning. I kind of feel like I need a stool myself, but I think you can see me okay. Today is a very special day in our church. Um, many people in this church knew who Bob Beeson was and his love for music. Well, today is the 17th annual Bob Beeson Scholarship Award being given. We have roughly 15 recipients through the years. We had a couple of multiple winners for the scholarship. So, you know, I guess the question needs to be asked because there's some members in our church or some people that are coming to our church now that, don't, that really do not know who Bob Beeson was. And 
You know, so my thing is, who was Bob Beeson? And why is it that we remember him and honor him with the scholarship? And as you can see up on the, uh, on the slides here, we have a picture of Bob and Iva Jean, uh, both lovely people. I got to know both of them very well while I was here. Maybe Iva Jean even more so than Bob. But you can see his date of birth and his date of death. You know, and it's been said by many famous people that, you know, it's really not what you do or who you are and what days you were born and what days you died. It's that dash in between. It's what you did to fill that gap in between those two days, the day you were born and the day you died. And if there's anyone that I know of that filled that gap and filled it well was Bob Beeson. So Bob loved many things, but he loved music. He loved his church. He loved his community, and most importantly, he loved his Lord, and he loved his family. So I just want to elaborate a little bit on, on that. As his family, like I said, his wife, Iva Jean, you know, you could not have found a better couple to be around. I mean, they were almost inseparable when you saw them. And, of course, there's their daughter, Sherry, who is here today. And, Sherry, if you don't mind, would you please stand up? This is Sherry Beeson Starnes. This is Bob's daughter. And, Sherry, we're awful honored to have you today. And, of course, her brother, who was not able to make it today, so due to health reasons. But anyway, he, he really, truly loved his family. And, you know, it, we're, we're talking about the love of music. And you can, you know, and we're honoring someone, obviously, for a music scholarship. You know, you, you hear stories about people like this all the time and their love for music. But, you know, one of our uh, members of our committee for the music committee just said the other day, and actually it's Sandy Beeson, relative by marriage she was talking about how at times even at her house bob and i Jean lived across the way from him and everything she could hear bob singing at her house so bob always had a song in his heart so that just tells you for his love and usually you know it was some type of hymn or some song that was very dear and special to bob so he had that in his heart at all times so as i said he loved his family he loved his community and a lot of people may not know but i can remember when I was a young man or young boy, down on the corner where the campus pizzeria is, used to be the pharmacy here in Bowling Springs. And Bob was the pharmacist there. Bob graduated from pharmacy school in the early 50s from UNC Chapel Hill. And he served as a pharmacist there for roughly 30 plus years. So Bob was trying to help support and heal the bodies in the community. So, you know, I remember going in there many times and having conversations with him as a young boy. He always had time for everybody. So that was one thing that I personally remember about Bob. The next thing is he loved his church and he loved music. And through his music, you know, I said earlier he was trying to heal the bodies of the community. He was trying to help heal the souls of the community when he's at church and when he's singing. And some of the things that really were profound to me is his love for the Lord. And you could tell that. You could tell it vividly. And the way you could tell it was, it was his service to the choir. Bob was, in a, was a choir member for 50-plus years, faithfully served. And I came to Bowling Springs Baptist in 2000, my family and I. But I started singing in the choir immediately after that. And I remember Bob struggled with cancer. And he struggled mightily with it. And there were so many times that Bob came to choir practice. And he was really, I was surprised that he was there. And same thing with church. He was in the choir, and sometimes he would even say, hey, I, I really can't sing today. I'm just going to move my lips. But he just wanted to be a part of worship. He wanted to be a part of that healing process of the soul. 
that desperately. He wanted to do that. Some people may not even been in church, much less been in the choir. And that made a huge impression on me. And there's been many days I travel a lot with my job, and there's days that I get in late and I think, man, I'm really, I'm beat. I don't want to go to choir practice. And it just rings back in my mind about Bob Beeson, and it gives me that little bit extra encouragement for me to make sure that I, I do what I should be doing. So when you look at uh, coming to the choir, people think, oh, you just go in, you sing a couple of songs, things like that. Well, I'll tell you, folks, it's a little harder than that. You know, everybody behind me can attest to that, and a lot of people that are sitting in a congregation that sing in the choir at some time, and some of our musicians can tell you that, too. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work. You know, it may seem easy when we sing on Sunday, but I tell you, uh, it takes a lot of work. And I, when you sing for an hour plus sometimes, you're beat. It really takes a lot out of you. But I was always enamored by how Bob could come and endure that, even in his poor health. And again, that goes back to his testimony, his love for the Lord. So um, one thing about Bob, you know, was he just, he had this persona about him. He made me feel so welcome when I first came to the choir. You know, he loved the fact that I was a younger person in the choir and that I was a tenor, and he really, really encouraged me, you know, to continue to keep coming. So, again, like I said, he was always making a huge impression on people. So this scholarship was established in 2002, and like I said, there's been 15 recipients, and this is the 17th year that we've been presenting it, and Bob was fortunate the year that it first started, he was able to be, be here when it was first presented to him. And he was very humbled by that. Bob was not a boastful person. He was a very humble person. And I think he really was put, put aside by the fact that something like this would be done, you know, in, in honor of him. So we'll move and fast forward to the process of what it takes to become a, a Bob Beeson Scholarship recipient. So there's a couple of things we do. We send out an application and we send it to uh, Dr. Paul Etter and, and Dr. Matt Whitfield to the music committee, you know, the sacred music committee over at uh, Gardner-Webb. And they have to fill out an application. The application consists of what your major is, what your GPA is, uh, tell information about if you're involved in some local church and your home church. So that's part of the application that they have to fill out. And then another thing that they also have to have is a letter of recommendation and how they plan on using their gifts after graduation because it either has to be part-time or full-time ministry in the church. So those are some of the things that they have to go through and endure. And then they come in and they go through an interview process with our committee. And, uh, you know, they had to perform our committee, and they, we generally have a question and answer session. So right quickly, uh, those that are part of the music committee, would you please stand up? So these are, these are uh, my colleagues in crime that were part of the process this year so uh, you know we had a very good interview process this year and of course uh, based off of the letters of recommendation we got from uh, this person's uh, who applied and uh, from their church pastor and from their music minister um, this year we're proud to present the uh, 17th annual Bob Beeson scholarship to Cheyenne McCall and we're honored to have her family here as well too I failed to mention them earlier we have her father and a mother her grand grandfather and grandmother, and aunt and uncle. So we're, we're honored to have you here today, too. So Cheyenne, if you would, please come up and receive your award.
it says today, it says the Bob Beeson Sacred Scholarship, the 17th Annual Scholarship is presented to Cheyenne McCall April 29, 2018 by Bowling Springs Baptist Church. Cheyenne, we were very honored to have you through your whole process. I was very touched by the fact that you said your grandfather had a, a huge influence on your music. I know he's proud of that, and then, uh, we just look for big things for you in your future, and we just praise the fact that you accepted a full-time or part-time ministry serving Christ. So congratulations Thank on your you so award. Much. Thank
thank you, Cheyenne, and welcome, family. I shared with you before, I have some history with Cheyenne's family. Many years ago, my father worked with her grandfather, Whit McCall, at GE, and we're very good friends, and, and Larry and Vicki and family, good to have you here with us this morning. What a beautiful, beautiful voice and beautiful testimony. Because he lives, we gather today for, with hope and victory because of what his life meant, his death and his resurrection. And uh, we gather in that spirit today. So not only do we welcome uh, Cheyenne and her family today, but we also have other special guests with us. Uh, the Herrera family is with us today. The Herrera family grew up in, in uh, Guatemala, and uh, they are here today after Feed the Flock. We'll be uh, uh, visiting with the Guatemalan mission team as we make plans and we, as we ask them questions and as they share a little bit about Guatemala with us. And so, Jennifer uh, Bedford, thank you for arranging that today. Uh, and uh, we're, uh, we welcome you here this morning with us. We invite each of you to join us at following our service today. We have a Feed the Flock luncheon, and uh, this benefits our children. And uh, maybe uh, we don't know what your plans are for lunch, but we hope you can make plans even now to join us as we fellowship around the table and help support our children uh, for their summer activities as well. I want to mention one thing before we begin to share prayer concerns, and that is beginning this week on Wednesday night, I will begin a uh, four-week parenting class. This will be just be a short uh, class to finish out the remainder of this semester. Uh, many of you, as we think about not only church semester and what our Wednesday night's activities look like, but also the school semester, uh, join with me uh, this Wednesday in the Kerygma classroom. If you're a parent, whether of a young child or an older child, a youth, uh, as we look at grace-based parenting, grace-based parenting. We're going to have some discussion around this for four weeks, and so I hope you can join us uh, at 6 o'clock. Almost every Sunday of the year when we gather as a congregation, on any given Sunday, we have many in our congregation who are rejoicing. We rejoice this week over Roger Webb and um, a very successful heart surgery. Uh, we uh, rejoice with uh, Sybil Beeson being with us this morning after spending a few nights in Charlotte last week, and I'm glad you're here, and Joe Webb after surgery, and we can, we can name others this morning as well. So we rejoice. We rejoice with a safe prom night from what I hear last night from our high school students. And I know many of you and parents and grandparents were involved in that as I saw pictures um, recently on Facebook there. But we also gather each Sunday morning and with many who are hurting. And many are hurting this morning because of one who we dearly love. And that was Jane Stroud who went home to be with the Lord yesterday morning unexpectedly. Uh, she was doing well these, the latter part of this week, and our hearts are broken this morning over her loss and this passing. It was uh, several weeks ago, many months ago, that uh, the last time I spoke with Jane personally, I went been to Durham and spoken with Charles and family, but um, the last time I spoke with Jane was in the office, and many of you remember these conversations that you have had with Jane, and whether it was through uh, media or through face-to-face, -face, and she expressed just a strong, strong faith and resilience and a strong, a mighty peace uh, that came only from her Lord. And she said, no matter the outcome, uh, she said, I'm at peace. And uh, she is certainly at peace this morning and uh, with the Heavenly Father. And Cheyenne, thank you for your song. I, the lyrics, let me remind you of Because He Lives in that last verse. It says, and then one day I'll cross the river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. I don't know how many of you thought of Jane as she was singing that song this morning, Because He Lives. And then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know that he lives. Jane knows this morning. She knew it in this life and now she's seeing him face to face. And so we uh, just want to surround Charles 
the girls and family right now in our prayers and uh, just remember them this morning. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your presence in our lives. Oh, Lord, we thank you. And we thank you that it's not just a presence that you uh, supply for us on this side, but, Lord, we're grateful, Lord, not only how you help us in this life through the victories and the trials, but, Lord, we're grateful that we have uh, that calm assurance that we will see you, we'll see the lights of glory, and we'll know that you live. Oh, Father, we see your uh, evidence of your life uh, in and around and, and through your people, Father, each and every week. But, Lord, we're grateful that Jane is with you at this hour. Our hearts are broken, and, Father, our hearts are incredibly sad for Charles and for the family. Father, Jane was such a fighter, was such a, a woman of strong faith and great peace in her life because of you. And so, Father, may her testimony radiate through us who knew her so well. And, God, may it cause us uh, to hold our head a little higher, Father, to walk in that same calm assurance, knowing that our faith is also in the same Lord and Savior whose Jane's faith was in as well. Comfort the family at this hour. Walk beside them in their grief and their sorrow and their tremendous loss. Father, we know of others this morning who are struggling with maybe it's relational issues, health issues, Lord, things that weigh us down, things that are of great burden to us this morning. Father, help us to cast our cares on you as you ask us to do in your word. Help us to put our faith in the good shepherd who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for how you gift your people. We thank you for Cheyenne. We thank you for uh, the Herrera family that's with us today. We thank you for these who are being called to go to Guatemala here in the coming months. We do pray for that special time as well. Father, we commit to you this service. We pray that every song sung, Lord, as your word is read and is preached today, Father, that you would do what only you can do. That, Father, we would leave here in some way different than when we came in. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn is number 438, Oh, the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. Number 438. Please stand if you are able and join in singing.
God, we are grateful for the many ways that you give to us. And now as we take a portion of what you have given us, we ask you to bless it for the furtherment of your kingdom. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
morning I'll be sharing with you scripture from 1 John 4, 7 through 21. And I'm reading from the New American Bible uh, Revised Edition. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten by God and knows God. Whoever is without love does not love, know God, for God is love. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might have life through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God, yet... If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is brought to perfection in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us, that he has given us of his spirit. Moreover, we have seen and testified that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Whoever acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God and God in him. In this is love brought to perfection among us, that we have confidence that on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in him in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And so one who fears is not yet imperfect loved. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Amen. Thank you, Tim. God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. This is the, probably the fourth week, I think it is, that we have been uh, talking about uh, family and the fact that uh, looking at some families in our church, which we're going to do again this morning, and talking about the fact that as God's children, the number one characteristic that should be similar among all of us, even though we, we look different, we have different interests and passions and God gifts us different, the number one characteristic that should be evident in all of us is that of love. John hits that very clearly today in, in today's passage. And Tim, thank you for reading that. As we continue to look at some families within our church, I want to do that now. And uh, we've got some folks here that I think you'll recognize We've got Alan's sister Jennifer on the far left and his mom and dad, Kent and Mary. Did you know that Alan's mom was also named Mary? Did you know that? Um, we've got uh, Macy Kate there being held by Mama, uh, Sarah and uh, Chris Newcomb, Chris, Alan's brother, and then, of course, Alan and Mary. That's a good-looking bunch. Thank you for sharing that with us, Alan. Where was that taken at? Was that here? Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Let's go to the next one that we've got this morning. Now, you can't see faces too well on this, but some of you know that this is the Huggins clan. 
I say Huggins, Huggins and Galt. Am I right about that last other last name, Huggins? Because Teresa's or Sonny's sister who lives in Tennessee, they were able to get everyone together. Where are you at, Teresa? Right there. We were able to get everyone together this year, right? There in, at the cabin in Tennessee. There's probably about 40 people in this, in this picture. And it's rare that, uh, you know, all, everybody that came this year, I think, is, is able to come. But Sonny's sister started this years ago, and it's something they continue throughout uh, the years. And uh, I always hear about it. It seems like as a church, we always hear about the weekend that Teresa's in Tennessee. That becomes like an annual thing. They're, they're in Tennessee this weekend. But you've got Julie and uh, Dave's and Catherine Hastings and Paul Huggins, and you've got uh, all the grandchildren who I'm not going to go into and great-grandchildren. Uh, but, and again, uh, Sonny's side of the family there as well. But my understanding is that they do a lot of eating and a lot of playing together and just being together as a family. And my understanding that Tripp has become quite the uh, biscuit maker, is that I, from what I understand. Is that right? Was it Sonny that taught him how to make the biscuits? So, Tripp, I'm sure your family appreciates all that biscuit making. If they haven't told you, I'm telling you thanks on behalf of the family. Uh, so let's go to the next picture. Thank you for sharing that one with us, Teresa. Now, Sue Rass, this is Sue Rass. Most of you know Sue. Sue, wave back there. She's back there somewhere. There you are. Um, Sue's on the far right there. These are her uh, seven living brothers and sisters. Uh, there's about an age span of 18 years between the oldest and the youngest. This was taken at uh, one of their homes, a brother's home there uh, in Tennessee. I'm not going to mention all the names because I'm sure I'll get something wrong. Uh, I, I know I haven't done that yet, right? No, I'm just kidding. I, I've, I've probably gotten something wrong every week. But uh, Sue, we appreciate you sharing this, and, and uh, Sue uh, told me, I think it's the Holder family, if I remember that correctly, here, and they were born and raised in a little community between Boone and Blowing Rock called the Aho, Aho community. Am I saying that right? If not, you can tell me later. But A-H-O, they were born in the little community, all of them there between Boone and Blowing Rock, and Sue, we just rejoice with you and your family there. What a wonderful time. Uh, this was a recent family reunion. This was just last year, I believe, uh, as they were there in a beautiful setting there in Tennessee. And so, Sue, we appreciate you sharing that with us. Last, uh, well, no, uh, four weeks ago, I guess it was, when I started this sermon series, I shared the idea, shared with you an idea of the possibility of us doing a church family photo. This is one of those old-fashioned photos where you... Uh, go out on the front lawn, you in church a little early, and you go out on the front steps, and you gather everybody together, and you have a professional photographer taking a picture. Well, we will not be doing that this spring, but I want the anticipation to build, and I want you to plan for Sunday, September the 9th. That will be Founders Day 2018, and we will end service just a little bit early that day. You go grab the kids from the nursery and come join us out front, and we will have a photographer and maybe even a drone out there taking a picture over top of everybody and all of this. And so uh, that will be a big day, and we'll encourage you to be here to be a part of our church family photo as we move forward. In today's passage, there's something almost childlike about John's message. Did you notice it? It was repeated over and over and over again. It's like as, as Tim kept reading, it's kind of like, all right, John's kind of said that. He's, he's kind of said that before. But yet he, he talks about maybe a different aspect of love or a different way. He talks about God's love for us, and therefore we ought to love God. It's not necessarily that the great thing here is not that we loved God, but the Scripture says is that he loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Uh, he often refers to us as little children. Back in chapter 3, we see that over and over again. If God loves us, we ought to love one another. These are simple messages, right? Messages that we've heard over and over and over again. As little children, we hear that God loves us. And we've seen this throughout the epistle of John. He refers to us as little children, or even sometimes he just addresses us as children. 
Throughout John's writings, we see at times deep theological truths, but more often than not, we see the same truth that comes across time and time again, that God loves us, and therefore we ought to love one another. John is is very simple in his teachings. He talks about right and wrong. He talks about light and darkness. He talks about Christ or the Antichrist. He talks about love or hate. He also says, don't love the things of the world. We can all relate to and understand these things very easily. I got a question for you this morning. How many of you have ever heard of this little book? And the, the image may be up there on the screen, but it's called Children Letters to God. Have you heard of this little book? Raise your hand. I see a few hands out there. It's a great little book. I love this little book. And children have a way of helping us mature and sophisticated people as we become adults uh, go past the veneer. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, example, this week in my office, I keep the blinds closed because in the mornings the sun shines straight in my windows. And so, but I, I like as much sunlight as I can. And so I crack the bottom about like this, okay? And so for those of you who know where my office is, there's a playground on the other side of that window. And so I can't tell you how many times, and I'm thinking of it again this morning, that I have sat with a grieving family in my office that has just lost a loved one, and we hear the sounds of children right outside the window. That very well could happen this week. But as one of these little uh, children, most of them are three or four years old, they're looking in the window. They're right at the size, you know, their head's right there at that little gap where they can look in my window. And sometimes I'll wave at them just like a nice, sophisticated, mature man that I am. And then sometimes I'll go... You know, like that. And uh, this week, one of the kids came up to the window and I started doing this. And one of the kids said, there's that silly man again. (laughs) I thought that was cute. Um, (laughs) There's that silly man again. There's, uh, well, last week when we had our our community renewal services, there was one of the band members with College Park that had a little four-year-old girl with their name, Lily. Uh, one of the band members, and uh, uh, I, I didn't ask him all the story about why Lily was, was with him, but Lily was with him. And um, Lily got to know me a little bit on Tuesday night. And then uh, Wednesday, when I went to meet the band at Tucker, I thought that was a good place for them to meet, and we fed them lunch over there. And uh, I showed up, and the band was just kind of sitting around waiting on me to kind of come. And, and when I got there and just kind of sat down with them, Lily, in, in, the, in a child's honesty, you know, and... and, and uh, lack of, you know, any pretensions or anything. She just said, what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, well, I said, my name's Keith, And I said, I'm the pastor. And I said, I'm going to help you guys with lunch today. I said, are you hungry? You want some lunch? Yeah. You know, and so uh, those are just a couple examples. But in this little book, the children's letters to God, I want to read a couple things that, uh, that are said in here. I think you guys will enjoy these. Uh, Jane writes in Sunday school, they told us what you do. Who does it when you're on vacation? Norma doesn't say what age she is. She says, dear God, did you mean for the giraffe to look like that or was it an accident? (laughs) Um, uh, Let's see here. Darla says, do you really mean to do, do you really mean do unto others as they do unto you? Because if you do, then I'm going to fix my brother. (laughs) Uh, Here, Joyce says, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. I've got a few more here. Dear God, this is Denise, and she says, dear God, if we come back as something, please don't let me be Jennifer Horton because I hate her. (laughs) Again, the honesty of a child. Peter says, dear God, please send Dennis Clark to another camp this year. (laughs) Oh, my. 
Um, Dear God, this is Nan. Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family and I can never do it. (laughs) And the last one that I want to share with you in here, it says, Dear God, I don't ever feel alone since I found out about you. Nora. How about that? I don't ever feel alone since I found out about you. Children have their way of helping us be honest, don't they? Um, As we mature, we still have the Jennifer Hortons that we hate. We still have the Dennis Clarks that we'd rather not be around. Let's not pretend that we don't, because we do. We have a better way of maybe hiding it as adults. Let's not try to be all innocent this morning. The lack of love that we display to others sometimes is appalling. How quick we are to criticize, to look for the wrong in others. How quick we are to be angry and look down on others, hear what I'm saying, whose sins are different from our own. It's getting real, isn't it? Have you noticed this about people? Have you noticed this about yourself? Philip Yancey, I, wrote a quote, I read a quote from him this week that says, you tend to get very angry at people whose sin is different from your own. He went on to say, the only hope for any of us, regardless of our particular sins, lies in a ruthless trust in a God who inexplicably loves sinners, including those who sin differently than we do. Of all the things John learned from Jesus during those years, he walked alongside of him. His one, as one of his disciples, love was paramount. I shared with you almost each week that John, went, John and James went from being called sons of thunder, and John later adapted the title apostle of love. John is now older. John now realizes his days are numbered, and so he's writing 1 John and... He believes deeply, it it bothers him deeply, the lack of love that he's seeing in the body of Christ. So he he writes a letter saying the same things over and over and over again. Have you heard the illustration about the preacher that they ask him for the second to the third week now, preacher, why are you saying the same things every week? And the answer is, you know, well, when you start living it or start applying it, I'll stop preaching it. John is, has that spirit here about what he's saying in 1 John because we read 1 John 4 and what Tim uh, Quattlebaum read this morning and we're kind of like, didn't we kind of just hear that back in chapter 2? Didn't we hear that in chapter 3? And John just keeps, you read throughout 1 John and you keep hearing some of these same messages come back over and over and over again. As you read through the Gospel of John, you see that occasionally as well. We hear more stories, but yet you hear some of these same messages coming back over and over and over again. The number one characteristic of God's children, the number one similarity of what it looks like to be in God's family is love. The word love occurs 46 times in this little book of 1 John. 32 of those times were in the passage that Tim read this morning. The word used for love here is agape. We talked about this last week. It's a very distinctive word used here by John, not simply an emotion which rises in our hearts of goodwill towards others. It is a principle in which we deliberately live. It has to do with the will, and it often has to do with sacrifice. It often has to do with what may not come natural for you and for me when people hurt us. Swindoll gives us three reasons why we should obey the command of love. I don't have these on the screen this morning. You may want to jot them down. But in verses 7 through 10, we have a theological reason 
as to why we should love. Why should I love you or you love me? Because the essence of God is love. The one thing that we've heard from our childhood, we don't go into all these other things about God. The number one thing that we, that we should teach our kids is the message of how much God loves them. When you are in God and God in you, as John talks about, about abiding or remaining in Christ, we therefore reflect his love. His nature is to be lived out through us. John didn't say it that way. Well, he did, but he just used different words. But the very nature and essence of God and his love for us is to flow through us. So not only is there a theological reason for love, it's, it's a reciprocal reason for love. If you look in 1 John 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. It's so like we're receiving this love from God, it's like this reciprocal, we're receiving this love, we're giving it out to others. We're receiving this love, we're giving it out to others. It's like this constant, this constant cycle. In verse 10 it says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We have a responsibility, church, because of the great love that we have been shown by God to love others. Jesus, in the upper room, took the towel and the basin and did what he did, so we will do this as well. He showed us this love for others by example. We do to others what he has done for us. We should not live our lives, as many do, with the spirit of entitlement. If we have come to the cross and realize who we are and who he is, this should change everything about the way that we live our lives. If we are not responding to others in love, could it be that we have never truly come to the cross? Or maybe we've forgotten the impact, the significance of the cross. The message of the cross over and over again tells us that it's not about us. And that's something that we need to remind ourselves of quite often. Christ is of greatest importance. Let me decrease so that Christ can increase in me. Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple, this is Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Church, we don't like that sometimes because the cross was painful. The cross was tough. This was love at its best. You know what happens when we do this? When we take up our cross and follow him daily? Love flows freely. Love flows freely. When self is on the throne of life, love doesn't flow freely. The third reason we are to love is a practical reason. There's a practical reason that we obey the command of love. In 1 John 4, 12, John writes, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. His love is brought to perfection, it says. The evidence that is left of God's love for humanity is yours and mine. Some find evidence of God's love through nature, but the greatest way others discover God's love is through another human being. If I had time this morning, or if we were in a small group setting, and I asked you, name one person right off the top of your head who taught you and exemplified God's love to you the most. 
It wouldn't take much time. You would come up with somebody. Whether it was a family member, whether it was a mentor, a pastor, a teacher, somebody, you would come up with someone who showed you, not only shared with you verbally, but showed you what God's love is about. When God changes us to become like his son, we become the message of the living and loving God. The unbelieving world needs to see God's love manifested in each of us. And I ask you, and I ask myself, do they? Does the world see the living and the loving God manifested in and through our lives? Some of you may have heard this illustration. It's a common one that I've heard before from many pastors that uh, there's a woman that was um, arrested and pulled over and actually taken into custody by the police. And when she was released, she was asking, why did you, why did you arrest me? She, she didn't know what she had done, broken a law. Well, the, the cop began to tell her that, well, um, he said, when I pulled you over, he said, the reason I pulled you over is that, he said, I saw somebody flipping somebody off in the car. I saw, I heard cussing going on, or I could see that you were cussing, that you were angry. And he went on to all these other horrible reasons that he pulled her over. And he said, I looked at your bumper sticker, or looked at the back of your car, and it had a WWJD sticker right beside the follow me to Sunday school sticker, right beside the fish. And he said, I could have swore that somebody must have stolen the car. Does the world see us living out what we say we believe? That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, church. I'm not. There's not one person here that is. There's only one person that lived that was perfect, and they killed him. They hung him on a cross. But can the world see a genuine, a sincere, and authentic walk that we have with our Lord and Savior? Does the world see us forgiving others when we have been wronged? Does the world see us being patient when someone is trying our patience? Do we have a heart of compassion for the needy and for the grieving and for the broken? Do we have a heart for the kid who's struggling and trying to find himself? I'm grateful that in this church we have many that are involved in the educational system, both in Cleveland County Schools, other schools outside the area as well, and, and with Gardner-Webb. And uh, I love to see the way that you love on those children or love on those students or love on those college students because they need to see it. Our prayer should be, God, may your love be evident in and through my life. Help me to see, help, excuse me, may God, may your love be evident in and through my life. Help me to see them, help me to see others as you see me. I think of Lazarus in John chapter 11 when uh, the sisters said, they sent word to Jesus that the one you love is sick. I shared with our staff recently, this has, has changed my prayer life some because many days now, I'll pray for many of you and I'll say, God, I pray for Roger Webb. The one you love is sick. The one you love is getting ready to have open heart surgery. Or I'll pray for others who are going through a difficult time and I'll say, the one you love and mention you by name is going through a difficult time right now. And God, I know you love them, and I, we do as well. And so walk beside them and help them. Bring healing or bring uh, direction, whatever it may be that, that, you're, that you're struggling with. As we seek to be examples of Christ's love, let us remember that he has given us his spirit. And sometimes it is not in us to respond to others in Christ-like ways. We need his spirit to help us to do what we cannot do. First John whoever says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Christ abides in God, and God abides in that person. 
He closes out this passage today in verse 20 and 21 of chapter 4. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Kids can be quite honest. We said that, didn't I, at the beginning of the sermon. And I think if we don't live out what John said, I could see a little kid calling us appropriately a liar. You're telling me that God loves me, God loves us, and that he wants us to love others. Are we doing that? Can we face a little four-year-old that says, well, you lied to me because you're telling me that God loves me and that you love me too. If they, were, if they could think, you know, about that in the way that we're, uh, way that we're treating others and the way that we're treating them. Verse 10, again, of 1 John, one of our key verses here, it says, this is how we know love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I can't help but think of John 5, 8, I mean, Romans 5, 8, that says God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Later in verse 10 of Romans 5, Paul writes, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Many of you can join me in saying that you learned about God's love as a child. And one of the ways, and you've learned about this love from maybe a parent, from a teacher, from uh, maybe a coach, a pastor, a friend, a Sunday school teacher. But nevertheless, you heard as a child about God's great love for you and for the world. And one of the ways that you learned that was none better than this. Will you sing it with me? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. And do you remember the other one that went like this? Love him, love him, all ye little children. God is love, God is love. Love him, love him, all ye little children. God is love, God is love. As I close, I want to challenge you to think about something. What if we change the words to that one a little bit? Now that most of us in the room are grown up, we've remember those songs, you sang them well just now. What if we said a little bit about um, uh, love him, brother, sister, all you grown-up children. God is love, God is love. Love him, brother, sister, all you grown-up children. God is love, God is love. It gets real when we get in the real world, when it comes to love. We've heard about God's love, we understand God's love, but we need help in living his love out to others who are often, and to a world that is often unlovely. 
Before I pray and close and we have a time of invitation, I want to ask you this morning, have you come to the cross? Have you come to the cross? Has it been some time maybe since you've come to the cross? Have you put your faith in the one who loves you more than you could ever imagine? Have you given your life to him? Have you committed your life to him to follow him and to serve him all of your days? If you haven't, there is no moment more important than this moment right now. If you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to come as we stand. We sing a somewhat familiar hymn to many, Share His Love. If you come today, if you're here today and desire membership at Boiling Springs Baptist, I would love to talk with you about that as well. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word as it was read and it was preached and it was sung throughout our service today. God, your spirit has been here. And Father, we are not done yet. Father, we want your spirit to move among us, draw us closer to the cross. And Father, maybe you bring someone there for the first time today who's never come to the cross. May they experience that love and that freedom to love others freely because of what you have done for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together hymn number 435, Share His Love.
good to be in God's house today. Let's close now in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for your great love for us. Help that love to be manifested in and through our lives to others, that we may share both with our lips and our actions of your great love through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in God's name, Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.